Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do live on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We run for about a half hour, give or take. And this is an opportunity to take the knowledge that we gained over many, many years, decades, in fact, 30 plus years for Nancy, 12 going on a little bit more than 12 years for me, facilitating pet loss groups. And we actually compiled that information into a book. It's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. But now with this technology, we're able to expand our reach and to communicate with you who are part of our audience. And we very much appreciate the communication. So if you would like to share a personal story with us or a recommendation for a topic or a recommendation for a guest, please get in touch with us. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at csmpc.com. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc. If you send a personal story, please let us know if it's okay to share on this program. Also, let us know if it's it's okay to share in print form, because we know that some people benefit from reading more than listening, and some people like to do both. So if you're okay with us sharing it, we're developing a, a blog where we can share the stories that we have and our responses to them. Certainly, if you are not comfortable with us sharing, we will re, we will Absolutely. respond to you anyway. We'll we'll yeah. respond in, via email. And if you want to share only part of your story and delete other parts, which some people have told us that they would prefer, that's fine that would too. Be fine we, too. Only, we only share your first name, and mm-hmm. so that the content that we receive from audience members is really a big part of of what we do on the program. We know that many many people are gratified by it. It, it helps mm-hmm. them to feel less alone. It helps them to know that that there are others who are going through similar similar experiences. You can support our work in a number of ways. You can uh, give it a gift on through Venmo or PayPal. You can do a monthly subscription. All of the above are in the program description. Everything that I'm sharing with you as we start the program is in the program description. This program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Mass. And you can learn more about Dakin at D-A-K-I-N H-U-M-A-N-E dot org. Dakin sponsors a cost-free Zoom pet loss support group that I facilitate. It is generally on the second Tuesday of the month. It runs 6 p.m. to 7.30 Eastern time. It is cost-free. I want to emphasize, emphasize that. You can also join from anywhere in the world. And we have people who join from across the country and across the world. And you will find the RSVP link in the program description as well. The next meeting date will be March 14th. 14th. And again, at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Please consider pressing the subscribe button on YouTube. The link for getting to the YouTube version of this program is in the description as well. If you do that, it helps to alert people who are looking on YouTube for support with pet loss that this program exists. So it raises the profile of our program in the algorithm and Mm -hmm. that can help people if you find this program helpful and you think other people may then if you can subscribe on youtube that would be a helpful thing and with that nancy do you want to get us started for this i certainly would like that 
Um, so we have two stories tonight that we're going to share. Um, and as we all know, they're, they're heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. Um, and, you know, Ken had and I had talked about the title and the title of this program is It Doesn't Matter How Long They Live. It's still a horrendous and painful and devastating loss. Right. So the first is from Carolyn. And I love this dog's name, although through through, through the um, the email she uses Spicy Brown, but when she was talking about him, it was sneaky sneaky sweet Spicy Brown, and I just you know how we get our names for our dogs. I mean, I call my dogs boogers, so you know, I mean, you know, I mean, this is what we do, right? We have these these names. Um, so she, she writes us, hello, Ken and Nancy. Thank you for your podcast. Although I have only been listening a short time, it has helped me tremendously. You are both truly understanding, empathetic, and so insightful about us losing our babies. Feel free to share my story as I hope it can help others to hear it. We rescued Spicy Brown from a shelter in New York City when he was a year old. He was on the euthanasia list for the next day. Oh, I fell in love with his photo and immediately wanted to help him. He was our foster dog at first, but after three months of living with us, we decided to adopt him. My husband and I were doing rescue at the time, thank God for you guys, and had fostered 25 dogs prior to Spicy Brown. Wow. That's great. This dog was with me through it all, moving into my home, my marriage, the loss of both of my parents, the loss of my best friend, the loss of his sister, Snooky, my skin cancer diagnosis, surgery, and all of my years of hip pain. Wow. He was always loyal, loving, smushy, ready to cuddle, and he loved everyone. About a year ago, he started to decline. He had degenerative disease in his back legs, a tumor in his spleen, and crystals in his bladder. I had him on several medications and prescription food for a very long time, but it just kept getting worse. He then developed sundowner syndrome and would pace in circles for hours. And that's in the evening, if I don't believe, right? Because yeah. people go through that also. You're kind of agitated and mm -hmm. disor disoriented. Yeah. As the degenerative disease progressed, he started losing control of his bowels and would regularly have accidents in the house and many times while he was sleeping. I knew the time was getting close when it took forever for me to get him up for a walk because he loved his walks so much. He would also sleep all day long and he was hard to wake up even after sleeping all day. He would occasionally just collapse on the floor because his legs would just give out on him. He lost a lot of weight. You could see his ribs and spine clearly. He never stopped eating, but we always had to put something extra in it, and I would have to hold his back legs up the whole time or he would collapse. I felt strongly he was unhappy, but was still denying it. Um, it was his time to let him go. My husband could see Spicy Brown was unhappy as well and would say to me, it's time, but I had to be ready. During this time and for two years prior, I was having major hip pain and my doctor wanted me to have a hip replacement surgery. My surgery was finally scheduled for 121-23. 
so just a few weeks ago. I knew my husband would never be able to care for me in Spicy Brown. I felt this was perhaps a sign that it was time for me to let my sweet baby go. So I scheduled an in-home euthanasia for 1-14-23. I second-guessed myself all of the days leading up to 1-14-23, but my vet and the in-home vet assured me I had his quality of life in mind and that I was making the right choice for my sweet boy and for our family. He was 13 years old when he passed. I'm writing this because some people might think it's horrible or selfish that one of my deciding factors was my upcoming surgery. I even think about that myself sometimes. That was by far not the main reason. It was one of the least of my reasons, but it did play a factor in my decision making. And I guess I just want other people out there to know it's okay to factor in a major life event when deciding to let go of your beloved pet who was already in a steady decline. I wanted my baby boy to die with dignity, and I felt strongly he hated being slow, disoriented, um, and unable to stand without assistance. I still question if I did the right thing, but I think it's because I, because selfishly I so still wanted him to be here with me. It has only been three days since he has left, so this is about a, a month ago or so. The house feels so empty and quiet, and I'm just sad all the time. He was most definitely my heart familiar, as you guys say. He has a huge piece of my heart, which now is a million broken pieces. Thank you for reading this and all you do. What an amazing couple, right? Yeah, 25 dogs that they fostered, rescued. I mean, it's quite something. So I want to reassure Carolyn right off the bat that nobody, nobody, nobody thinks it's horrible or selfish. No, that you made that decision. Nobody, people, it, it's really good that she said that. Right. She said she feels it. And I think many of us would feel that too. Like, how can I possibly factor this in? But of right. course you have to factor right. in your all of your life circumstances. And not only that, but it was, it was all, it was already clear to, both she and her husband, that it was time. Yeah, he, so he was declining. Of, yeah. It's part of that whole thing that no matter the reality of a, per, of a dog's debilitation or a cat's debilitation, we tend to go there and second guess and, and say maybe there was something, maybe I just got tired of taking care of them, right. or maybe there was some uh, there was some sort of ulterior motive that also was part, like we'll torture ourselves with these notions and it's it's just not it's not what's what's going on it's not yeah. you're you're making the decision based on the the need to to end to not your have him suffer, friends right? suffering yeah. yeah right yeah. you know what's interesting ken that i read this you know over the time that we've been doing the podcast about you know that make making that decision about euthanasia and what what this what the uh, the um, vet hospitals say what the ASPCA says that you have to figure, you know, factor in where you are in your life. Yeah, it's yeah. not just for the animal, but it's for what's happening for you. Yeah, you know, um, there could be multiple things, multiple stressors, um, and so which I which I knew, but it was really interesting to see that they added that to the list sure, I mean, of what was going on with their companion animal. Yeah, I mean, we there are people who cannot afford right. the extraordinary costs of 
the care that may sustain their pet for a little bit longer and their pet is suffering, maybe they can't breathe very well, and they have to make a decision that the humane thing to do in the circumstance right. is to euthanize them. I mean, there's all kinds of life situations that come into play. And it's important to, to factor our own needs, our own life context into the, exactly. into the, into the decision-making. You know, it's interesting. I'm working with someone right now and I, I'm trying to remember what exactly what she said. Um, but her, her dog had, had to be euthanized, but she, the dog had broken his back. Oh, I know. I know who there was somebody who the dog had had, a, had his back broken and it would have been a 30 to $40,000, yeah. Yeah. you know, surgery. And the dog was, you know, sick already. So, right. So I, I, I don't have, if you have that money, that's fabulous. But how many people really can do that? Yeah. Right? I mean, Especially when your animal is ill, right? It's, it's, it's something. And we, when we had Dr. Cole on, mm -hmm. she talked about how these decisions are, are so frequently part of the, the agonizing process for not only for, the family of the beloved animal companion, but even for the veterinarians, because right. they, they're, everybody's in a bind around right. these kinds of dilemmas. There are, there are some comments, so I'm going to just read through them and, and share some of them. I'm so, this is from Maggles, Maggles Waggles, whose, <laughs> whose name I love. We love it. We do. It's I'm, a good name. I'm, I'm so thankful for having discovered this channel. It's been a couple of weeks since my mm -hmm. girl's passing, but your channel has made the process a little easier. It's, it's hard for sure. It's hard. And then she writes later on, many people say 13 years was a good long life for a dog, but I think it's way too short. I had no chance against terminal cancer and yeah. it's hard to get over. Absolutely. Well, that's that control piece that we all struggle with, right? Because when we yeah. take care of these beings that rely on us, we believe that we can make everything okay. It, right. it's and their lives are never long enough. They're no, never anyway. <laughs> and then we have Karen who wrote, you you always question yourself regardless. It's part of grief. Mm -hmm. It's torture. So it's very yes, well it stated, is, I think. It's well that's, stated. That's the, way, that's the way we experience it. We always second guess. Mm -hmm. we, always, we always go over it over and over and over again. And it's a torturous emotional process. <sighs> Well, we thank Carolyn yes, quite a bit you very much, for your being so honest and forthcoming about your your beautiful, stinky, sweet, spicy brown. I love that. <laughs> and and that you know, thank you for your for your help with the animals. Yes, yeah, that's really an incredible gift, an incredible mm -hmm. gift. So now we're going to read a letter from Rachel, who writes. Hi there, I'm writing to thank you for your podcast. It's helped me a great deal during these last few weeks. We lost our beloved Trapper. Let me show Trapper's picture too. Oh yeah, he's a beautiful boy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Beautiful dogs, all of these. Uh, beloved Trapper, due to refractory epilepsy at only three and a half. Oh. Three and a half. We got Trapper as a puppy after a lot of research into what type of dog would be good, would be a good pet for our boys and for our family. He was an Aussie poodle mix 
and about 35 pounds when he was healthy. We had never had a puppy before, always had rescue pets, but wanted to share, wanted to start with a young dog, hoping he would be good with our elementary age kids and would be their childhood pup. It's, uh, that brings back so many thoughts and memories, the childhood pup. Yes. Trapper and I spent hours together training in dog obedience, did this every week for nine months, potty training, teaching him manners and just snuggling. He grew into an amazing dog and by about nine months was just a dream. He loved our kids more than anything, loved going on car rides, knew exactly when the bus was coming down the road, which meant his boys would be home from school and just loved to be at our side. He didn't need a leash in our front, which meant his boys would be home from school. Well, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself. He didn't need a leash in our front yard. He would just sit on our porch looking out at the block. When we, surprise, had a baby last year, all he did was kiss and snuggle him. He had the purest of hearts. He was honestly the perfect dog. Many times I thought, why can't he live 50 years? Yes. We all think that's what we want. After about a year, or about a year ago, he started having grand mal seizures. His first episode involved cluster seizures, which we later learned indicated hard to treat epilepsy. When he had clusters of seizures, he would paddle, clench mm. his jaw, foam at the mouth, and lose his bladder and bowels, and they were very painful to watch. He immediately went to the vet and got on anti-seizure medication. Over the next year, he continued to have seizures. He would take a while to recover from these episodes, and one particular episode, we were sure we had lost him. We tried multiple different maintenance medication combinations and doses and different rescue meds. The medications came with very negative side effects, ravenous hunger, lethargy, confusion, weight gain, urinary urgency. This one active, once active and vivacious pup became a shadow of himself. So sad. He was still happy to see us, licking us, and loved us all so much, even though he was not well. He could barely get himself into the car the last few months. Then over the holidays, he had a horrible seizure episode of over 20 seizures. This episode took a lot out of him, and he didn't recover well. We took him to a dog neurologist, and we learned that his prognosis wasn't good. We could try more medication cocktails, but the chance he'd respond was slim. The neurologist was open to keep trying, but it felt like he was also becoming a science experiment. Just more pills and no concern for how all these meds were affecting his quality of life. My husband felt strongly that it was time to release him from his misery and put him down. We had multiple consultations with our vet about this. I struggled a lot with the decision, but I also knew my husband was right in so many ways. I just couldn't let go, but reluctantly agreed that it was best. We ended, him put, we ended up putting him down surrounded by his family. We stayed with him well past when he crossed over and he was at complete peace. We had him privately cremated and also made a picture blanket with our favorite pictures of him. I'm really struggling with many different emotions, just a horrible sadness in my heart. It takes my breath away and feels like my heart is broken. I ache to have him with us, to snuggle and lay at our feet. My dreams for him are dashed. My kids are missing him so much. Our house is too quiet. I'm also so, so angry 
angry that I spent so much time, money, and research trying to get and train the perfect pet for our family, and it was all ruined. I feel anger toward his breeder and breeders in general. I'm very angry for him that he had to suffer and get this dreaded disease. He didn't deserve this. He deserved a long life with his family. I also feel guilty questioning if we made the right choice. My vet and husband believe 100% that we did, but I can't help but wonder. I also feel that before too long, I want to get another dog because my older boys are 9 and 11 and loved having a dog so much, as we all did. But we now also have a one-year-old, so getting a new dog feels completely impossible. I can understand that. <laughs> I don't have the time I did three and a half years ago. I'm a busy mom of three and work full time. I just don't see how it can work. Trapper was just so perfect and it's just so sad. I miss him so much. You can share my story if you want, attached to the picture of Trapper from his healthy days before he got epilepsy. I'll show that again. What a beautiful boy. Thanks so much, Rachel. Well, thank you, Rachel, for also sharing this heartbreaking story about your baby. And and as I've said in other podcasts, I have a, a, a lot of experience with epilepsy. Um, with my, my Hank, my heart dog, Hank, who died in 2019, and Boogie, who I have now, you know, yeah, who has yeah, cluster yeah. seizures. Yeah, and yeah. so I, uh, it's one of the most amazingly difficult things to, to witness. And to have... To go through that baby having 20 seizures. Oh my God. I, I it, it wells me up. I can't, yeah. you know, and I know Rachel was a hard, hard decision. But every time, you know, you have a seizure, it does something to the brain. Takes something away. Yeah. And so I, you did the right thing, even though I know you struggle with it. But, um, but and yes, I can understand your anger. You know, you absolutely you, these. You know, there are genetically linked conditions that pop up more and more. It seems. Yeah, more and more. Um, I have a, few a lot of, a lot of uh, inbreeding. You know, very close inbreeding. So, but between the sadness and the devastation. And the anger, I, I, it's, it's such a, it's such a tragedy that he was so sick, but, but it was the right thing to do. And they gave him a beautiful life. Oh, absolutely. And they gave him the best of care. Yeah. And, and while it's a very, very hard thing, I always think it's a great thing when kids have dogs or cats yeah. or whatever kind of pet, because it just teaches children so much that's valuable it teaches yep. them about being gentle and about taking responsibility for right. somebody who's vulnerable and needs to be taught things in a very careful and loving way and and they they get to witness the whole life cycle yeah and they get to be in this case of course the life cycle was way 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 too short but the fact that they were there they were part of the family when mm -hmm. when trapper was released from his suffering is just such an important experience for kids yeah. because it helps them to it helps them to grow through the experience of grieving and well brian that's it i mean the parent your you as parents are the role models you're the for role your models children and, and you know we 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 try to shield our kids 
from the pain that exists in life, but we can't do that. We can't do it. And so the way I think about it, it's always important to think about the fact that we are raising our kids to be competent adults. We're not, we're not shielding them from the world. We're not protecting them from the realities of life. We're helping them learn to deal with everything that happens in life. And so this is an extraordinary tragedy that they lost their dog at just three years old. But the ways that this family dealt with that, I'm sure are, are lessons for these two boys that will help them for a very, very long time. And the question about another dog, and I understand, right, when you have an 11 and nine year old and, and now you have a one year old, but maybe if they, maybe those kids can do some volunteer, right? Mm -hmm. Work mm -hmm. at a shelter, maybe, mm -hmm. so that they get their fix of the doggies before you guys decide, you know, when you get another animal. Or it may not be a large dog, but it mm -hmm. could be a very small dog that, that you know, is does not take the, maybe the amount of energy <laughs> that will be necessary for a puppy. Or, I mean, there are different ways of, of you know, having those those kids, or maybe the kids can can dog sit right in the neighborhood, yeah, or yeah. take them for walks. You know, other dogs for walks. I'm not sure how Rachel, where you guys live, and how that works, but um, but hopefully you you will you both will figure it out. You and your husband about yeah, and there's and there's, time. there's time too. I mean, one of the things that I I think about this is that they're doing all of this so planfully. I mean, they really mm -hmm. planned this out. They did a lot of research on what kind of a dog to get. And they're also doing a lot of thinking about when to get another dog. They're mm -hmm. not rushing to, one of the things that's that so, so important to do is to, is to be mindful mm -hmm. about when it's time. And absolutely. And Lizette, who was listening said, or fostering. Ah. And seeing how that goes, because that way they can they can decide whether or not it's you know that whole idea of foster failing, which I love. Yeah, which <laughs> usually happens, right? Okay, we're adopting now, so. <laughs> so, but um, it's a story of love and yes. and and very very careful thinking about when when it was time to right. end the suffering of their, of their beloved trapper. And, you know, again, it's when I hear this kind of story, I think this is a life lesson for yeah. the young people involved. That certainly is. Yeah. And we wish Rachel and her family, you know, some, um, you, you know, remembrances in which I know that they have around their beautiful trapper because they did have such a wonderful time with him when he was before he really got ill. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that at some point in time, well, I'm hopefully sure at some point in time, there will be another one that they I will love so. as much, right? Yeah. It won't that, be will be, that will be his legacy. But, right. That's a but, beautiful legacy, yeah. Yes, yeah. right. And we thank you, Rachel, for, for sharing. Thank you so much. So Nancy, once again, great conversation. We'll look forward to doing it again uh, next week. Yes, we will. Everyone take care, please. Bye-bye.